Are you a sneakerhead? A baller? Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. It's Kicks and Bricks, where we got game on the streets and on the court. Here's your host, Jamel Cutler. Welcome back to Kicks and Bricks. Today we have a special guest who's a legend in the sneaker community. He's the architect behind my sneaker habit and the genius behind some of your favorite 90s sneaker. Guy Marshall, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Um, what was the sneaker market like in the early in the early 90s? Like marketing-wise and Man, that's, that's what all the huge stuff was going on with Nike, with uh, Bo Jackson and all those first really big signature shoes, Jordans and all that stuff, you know. And at the time, everybody had, um, at the time, Nike Air was the big technology story. And every, every shoe company was trying to come up with a new technology to kind of offset what Nike was doing with the Air. That's what I remember, really. Uh, there was a big like technical push back then um and adidas had this thing where they were doing kind of like a Bauhaus deal um form follows function everything on the shoe has to be there for a reason and all that kind of stuff so it's a much different area er, era than back then than now it, it was so crazy because if you said fashion in a meeting back then people would kick you out of the room you could even <laughs> say fashion <laughs> how come fashion was like frowned upon back then you know, because I, I think at the beginning, like Adidas and Nike, Nike was started with the guys with the running shoes. Adidas was known for all of their Olympic um, shoes, track spikes and all that kind of craziness. And mm -hmm. at that point, it was really about the sport. And I remember when it switched around 96, we started getting these reports that like 80% of the people that wear the shoes don't don't play in the shoes, you know. And that really, that, that was the thing that, changed the whole way I looked at designing from that point on. Um, in the beginning, in the 90s, it was all about technology and racing to see who could come up with the next best thing after air, you know. But after that, um, that um, soon after that is when people start realizing that most of the people that's wearing these things aren't playing the sport and, and that changed the whole thing. Alright, so like, you designed a lot of sneakers, but the most iconic sneaker that I think that you designed was the Air Matumbo. Can you talk about, like, um, what went into that sneaker back then? Yeah, man, so um, that was actually the second shoe I ever designed in my life. And um, and <laughs> I will humbly say that I didn't really know a whole lot about, technically, about designing shoes at the time. And that was back when um, we had just... Everybody was wearing, uh, in the hood, was wearing, like, Africa medallions. Spike Lee's movie, uh, right. Do the Right Thing, had just came out. So there was a real kind of a, uh, uh, a kind of a, a little bit of a political statement happening in, uh, in, in urban culture, you know. And me, I had, I, I would surround myself with images for that stuff. And I would do little sketches 
myself. And it was perfect because I had like a little board of like African influence stuff that you would see from that era in my space already. So um, I wasn't doing that shoe at first either. I think um, Peter Moore was, I hadn't met Peter Moore yet. Peter was in, in Portland in the Adidas office and I was in Germany and I just did a street ball shoe and uh, he came, somebody said that they were going to do the Butombo and they said, well, we're going to let this new guy named Guy Marshall do it. And I, the only quote I remember is him saying, who the fuck is Guy Marshall? Oh, am I supposed to? Nah, 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 nah. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Go ahead. So, um, so basically it came in from from the movies and I, I was like I was 23 years old at the time so I was doing all of the stuff that that she was meant to be for so uh, I, I think that was the biggest influence of anything I mean I, I did an internship in Africa when I was in school so I had a lot of imagery to pull um, as a matter of fact the the little pattern that's on that shoe that was that on the outsole was from a painting, a face painting from a tribe. I forgot where it's from, man. Um, I, I wish I could. I have all that stuff in my studio, by the way. I have every drawing from that shoe. <laughs> but basically, I didn't know what I was doing, except for the idea that I connected with the culture that was happening at the time. And um, it's funny that that would be the most iconic shoe that people think that I did. That's um, really funny. All right, so like earlier, you, you you mentioned Peter Moore, and before he jumped over to Adidas, he was with Nike, and he was like kind of synonymous with the first two Air Jordan brand sneakers, yeah. and then um he kind of designed the Jumpman logo too. Was like working yeah. with him, and also Jock ch um chasing kind of like a dream team for uh, sneaker designing back then. Yeah, man, he was uh what is still one of the most uh, influential people on my design life, period. Uh, Peter is um, a graphic designer by, by, by trade, you know, um, but just uh, like a, the best uh, creative leader I've ever had the pleasure of working with, man. And just to see his process, like I, I worked, I was the first designer from Adidas to come over from Germany to, when they started the U.S. subsidiary, when Peter came to Adidas and just to be able to sit in the studio with just me, him, Rob Strasser, and a couple other guys, man, it was it, it, the biggest learning um, curve of my life, you know? So it, it's just to see how that guy works. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it any more than that to you. But um, yeah, Peter was, uh, was a big influence on everything that I did and uh, still is actually. All right, so like, so like with with Peter Moore on board, were you guys trying to like create the Adidas version of the Air Jordan? You know what? I think Peter at the time the big push for Adidas was the Adidas equipment stuff. I don't know if people even re recognize that as much now as they did. But Peter was at that time. Peter had redid the he did that logo like the mountain logo for Adidas. That was Peter. Um, Peter, all of the iconography of Adidas changed when Peter got a hold of it. And the idea of uh, really starting to not to contend in the big market sports, you know, not just like not just the small like Olympic sports that they did, but they were going to compete in basketball and uh, um, training and all the other categories. So, yeah, I think Peter was trying. They were trying to put together a little team to go after it. And we were really aggressive like that about that so all right so like 
so like mostly modern players today, they have like a certain input on the certain specs of their signature sneakers. How involved was the Kimbe on the creation of the shoe? You know what's funny is that on the first one, I never talked to the Kimbe um, until I met him afterwards when he when he got the shoe. He's a really cool dude, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the Kimbe is really cool. The, but the, I think the shoe was kind of done. Um, like I was in Germany when we did that shoe, and they were playing in the U.S. So I think what they would do is they would take boards. And they would show it to him and he would approve the design and have a chance to impact in, input like that. But I was in Germany while Peter was in the U.S., Peter and Paul Gaudio and all those guys. So they were doing more of the talking with him about what that shoe would be. Um, and because um, I, I think maybe like six months after that shoe was done, I ended up moving to the U.S. and to Portland, um, Oregon for the U.S. Adidas office. But, yeah, at the time, it was, everybody was doing, like, big man shoes, and uh, you don't even see that anymore. Because um, uh, now all big men want to wear shoes like, like a point guard. But back then, we actually did shoes that were supposed to be for support and a little bit, a little bit more uh, to them. Like, it wasn't necessarily all about, like, weight. It was more about um, support and, and being able to wrap the ankles and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I, I think... Um, the idea of meeting Dikembe was one of the things that made me um, realize it was important to have that culturally reach people with what he was trying to do because he had all kinds of work he was doing back in Africa and stuff like that. He was a really cool dude, man. Right. So, like, I think it's like kind of poetic justice that you guys went from Patrick Ewan, who is a Georgetown guy, to another Georgetown guy. Like, um,. Was Dikembe like your first choice to carry the Adidas torch from Patrick during that time? Or was there other players that was kind of being um, whispered to have that position? Well, they had a lot of players that they were, um, that we were designing shoes for back then, man. Um, and there was, who? God, I can't even, I can't even remember all of them. Some of them didn't quite end up being what everybody thought they would be. And I think that was more the issue than anything. Um, so there was a roster of different players, not just the Kimbe. Um, but I think for some reason, the idea of what was happening at the time and how different we kind of approached doing that shoe, that's what made, made that, um, makes that stand out to people a little bit. Cause when you look at it now, it doesn't look like anything else from back then, but, uh, that's so funny. <laughs> right you um you mentioned the ads earlier like i was looking at some of the ads and then i noticed like they were shot in dc um right and i just find it odd that it wasn't shot at at georgetown was was that because georgetown was a nike school uh the sneaker you know politics back then you know what i don't know man that makes sense what you're saying i have no idea i don't i, I don't know i don't remember why they would have shot that at georgetown but i think one of the deals they wanted to get DC, like, I mean, they knew what they were doing, man. They were trying to, um, they, you know, DC was chocolate city back then. It still <laughs> so, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the, I, I think that's what they were more going for was that instead of like the. Right, I got you. The Georgetown campus look. But, you know, don't quote me on that. I'm sure you can find more about that from somebody else that was in marketing and stuff. But um, I remember going to DC with him and sitting. And talking about that stuff too so um that was cool 
like I think like one of the most interesting things about that shoe is that it was one of the first shoes not to feature the the three stripe logo that Adidas right. became famous for. And right. a shoe that followed that trend like later on in life was Derrick Rose line. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And now you know what's so funny, man. Back then that was a big deal because you you couldn't do a shoe without the three stripes. If you would really we would get in trouble if we didn't prominently display three stripes on the shoes. And um, I used to always say that Adidas was the hardest place to design for because you always had to take um, and consider where to put three stripes on it. And where other brands, they didn't have those type of limitations from a design standpoint. So now I think that when those guys don't have to do that so prominently, it makes it a lot easier to do, in my opinion. Anyway, so... <laughs> We used to take uh, we used to take and do designs, and just to mm-hmm. test people, we'd have little groups on the weekends, and we would on one we would stick three stripes, and then on the other one we'd take the stripes off and put a, a, a swoosh on it, and get same shoe, same design exactly, and see what mm-hmm. people would say. And kids always, for the most part, always love the one with the with the swoosh on it better than they liked it as Adidas. Like Adidas had to look a certain way for kids to like it. It wasn't the same with Nike. Like. You throw that switch on there, and, and, and people—it it didn't really even matter. It seemed like anyway to me. It's funny. Like my favorite part of the shoe personally is the logo on the tongue that incorporates the M with Matumbo's fifty-five. Like, how did you guys come up with that Man, that's idea? All Peter Moore. That's all Peter Moore. Peter Moore did that logo and that graphics for him, and uh, the. Uh, that's part of the brilliance of Peter when it came when it comes to his impact on footwear. Like he was able to take, it, like he's a branding genius. You know what I mean? He made that logo for him. Like the same man that made the Matumbo logo made the Jordan Jumpman and all that stuff. Like the ice, the I don't know if you ever how old you probably not old enough to know this man, but I remember seeing those old George Gervin posters where he's sitting on ice, calling him the Ice Man. That was Peter Moore. Oh no, nah, that's way before my time. <laughs> but he's been doing he's been brilliant with that stuff for a very long time man and uh peter peter came up with that i, I did see the logo before i started working on the shoe so i was able to try to incorporate that along with uh, um like just a, a natural what i tried to do is incorporate a print from an african uh like a traditional family cloth and that's what we did so the combination of that logo with that little print that you see on that original shoe was like as much as we could do were you guys oh i'm sorry were you were you guys met with like a certain um amount of backlash that that a shoe that featured a lot of african-centric themes would sell to um kids back then you know it's funny no that that's that's what i meant like that is exactly the market that i think um well, I can say that that's exactly the. I was thinking about the market for us. I was thinking about that shoe being exactly um, the the movies and the cultural like everything that was happening back then. That shoe was meant to cover. You know what I mean? Exactly. It wasn't even. We weren't like skirting around that. I don't think. I think we were directly going for that. You know, um, and I think that's why. I was so young and no didn't know anything about design that I think that that's one of the reasons that it worked because the 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 idea and the imagery is really simple you know it's it's like one plus two equals three on that one. 
All right, like, like my favorite colorway of the Air Matumbo was the blue and white colorway. Like, do you have a, a personal favorite that kind of, like, sticks out for you? Yeah, I like that blue one. I'm glad you said that, man. I like that colorway, too. Uh, but that's not the one that everybody went for, which is crazy to me. Uh, but that I like that colorway. And we did, like, a lot of different versions of that, that thing, the color. Um, you know, it's funny. Is back then, there was no, like illustrator and all the stuff that people use on computers right now to do the mm -hmm. colorways so we literally had to flip color with markers and stuff back then so the only colors you could do with the colors that you had markers for so i thought that everything was really simple based on that um, there was a white blue one there was a black all black one and then there was the multicolored one and um, i always looked at it like what i would play in for some reason because i was i was still playing ball then and i would have i would have I would have played in the, the solid black one or the blue one. I wouldn't have played in the other one, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> like the process to make a shoe back then seemed like it took forever. Like, like how long did it take to um, bring the Air Matumbo to life from its conception to like its final production? It used to be a lot different back then. What we used to do is we would have a meeting in the office where we would do uh, like a critique. You know, we put your drawings on the board. Nowhere near as formal that stuff is right now. I was living in Germany, and uh, as soon as they first of all, I was designing the entire basketball line, and it was literally just some little scribbles on a piece of paper. And we would have a meeting. We would talk about what we wanted to do, and then we'd get on a plane to Asia and. I'd be working on that stuff on the plane on the way over there. Uh, we we go with an idea and come back with a shoe. Like, it, it wasn't all that. It didn't take that long based on the way we were working back then. It was kind of quick, honestly. Um, so, yeah, it, there was not, not a lot of the politics up front. It was more like, this is what we think we want to do. Let's go do it. And I would fly over to Asia with a developer and, we would knock it out, man. We'd be there long enough to get the mold done and get the first shot of the materials and everything. We'd come back with a sample. So, it's funny. All right, so now the sneaker's coming up on a 30th year anniversary. Like, do you, like, like, what do you think about the overall impact that you has made in sneaker culture since its, since its inception? Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Um, me personally, I, I think that there's there's been some people that have done some really, really iconic shoes to you know, that you look back on now as far as the sneaker world goes. And um I I don't know if that was my biggest contribution to the footwear stuff because I think that that's not even close to the to the uh, most iconic shoe that I would have worked on back then. But it is because people think it is. And I've seen it in, like, books and all this kind of stuff. So um, I don't know, man. Actually, I'm surprised by that. I really am. I'm surprised by uh, by the impact that that shoe has had of all the ones that I've done. So um, it, it's that's hard for me to even answer that question. But I get what I, I do understand right. what it meant looking back on it because I can see how it perfectly mirrored what was happening with the culture at the time and every time that you know as soon as something like that disappears there's going to be some people that want to pull it back out and uh show it now and, and it's I, i've seen some i've seen some dudes wearing that uh, what about four or five years ago 
I had a call. Paul told me that they reissued that shoe and that they were they sold it out and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think it's it, it's I'm humbled that that is that something I did could be thought of like that, you know. But for me, it wasn't. Um, there's a lot of other sneakers that probably have a bigger impact on the world, the sneaker world. Um, that one's probably like the most. Um, can I say that? I don't know. Back then, it was probably the most Afrocentric looking kind of design that came out. I can say that. Um, I think so. Yeah. All right. Um, what are the other sneakers that you think like had a bigger impact that you worked on other than the Air Matumbo? No, no, I'm not talking about that I worked on necessarily. I mean, I know oh. some great designers out there. Um, there's a guy that I used to work with at Adidas who was doing the running stuff. Savino Bove was is one of the best designers I've ever had the pleasure of working with, man. And he did, he completely changed the whole running market with what he was working on at, back then. It was basketball was, was, was huge. And, uh, um, but there was a time when the running shoes kind of took it over. Um, one of the most iconic shoes, I think, now you made me think about that, one of the ones I think that is really iconic though, when we redid the um, the shell toe, the shell toe 2000. I don't know if you remember that shoe. The pro model, they like did two versions of it, but that whole concept came from the studio in New York where we were working, where we wanted to take and update one of the iconic shoes. And I think that was probably, that shoe sold so many pair of men, but it was, you know, it wasn't, um, it was a remake of the old shell toes that you could actually play in and stuff like that. I think that's probably one of the more iconic, um, to me, but probably, <laughs> you, I guess you're the one who said it was iconic. So um, that was a big, it was a big deal to get a German company like that to remake one of those old shoes back, back in the day like that. I think it was early 90s when we did that. I think so, like 10 million pair the first season. All right, so like the first Matumbo shoe was considered a classic, but the second shoe was like, largely forgotten like why do you think that is you know i don't know man i think maybe um first of all the impact of the first one because it was just so raw and the second one we tried to like pick up on some of that stuff but actually make it a more updated kind of a players kind of sneaker we did the first one was a cup sole you know all rubber with a uh, die cut eva midsole the second one we did a whole molded midsole like it was really a playing shoe but I, it, I don't know I don't know if it was the colorways that we did or if it just you know it just didn't work the same concept didn't work the second time and we didn't try to um, I don't know if we tried to change it so much as to, to stay with what the original theme was and that might have probably had something to do with it because the first one was so iconic that to stay with that same thing you know maybe nobody Nobody wanted to see that. Maybe we should have done something <laughs> completely different. And I think, like, the lasting um, legacy of the Air Matumbo can be found today in in the Greek Freaks line with Nike, with with the African-centric inspired exactly. colorway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, we did that back in, uh, in the early 90s with the Matumbo stuff. You're right about that. Right. That's cool, though, to see that. Um, it's cool to see that now. Yeah, Matumbo. Who knew, man? I'm telling you, I had no clue about that one. Um, we did a lot of shoes, and that was not one that I thought would um, 
it's funny for you to even say that to me. I, like, I don't realize that. No, no one ever comes to me and says that too often, just so you know. <laughs> so. um, do you have, like, a Mount, a, a Mount Rushmore of 90 shoes that you, um, that you considered, like, untouchable? Wow. Yeah, man, there's a few of them. There's Nike was yeah. killing it with that. I can't, man, I'm not good at naming the, the names of shoes. Um, but there's that running shoe that has a, the concentric circles running all the way around it, the, the Air Max runner, the, that was really, that, that thing was, was, was nice. Because uh, that's when they start blowing up the air bubble along with uh, doing some really iconic um, design stuff. Um, I think the, at Adidas we had, like I said, a lot of those running shoes that were being done at the time too. I'm not good at the names of shoes, man, so I couldn't even <laughs> tell you. Um, I know what you're asking me, but I gotta have yeah. pictures in front of me to be able to all see. All right, no, 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 it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's all good. All right, so like, um, start bench cutting for '90 sneakers. All right, we have the Emma Tumbos. 95 Barclays and the Concord Jordans. Wow, I love that Barkley, man. Um, as a basketball shoe, uh, I love that shoe. I remember that. Because uh, that was the last of the, like I said, it was kind of like the big man shoes. Um, Concord Jordan, which one is that? The 11s. The black and white 11s. I'm not sure which one that is, so, um, and I'm not on my, my computer on sitting outside here. <laughs> so, um, but I do, the, I do love that um, that Barkley shoe. I think that was a lot of people did a lot of versions of that um, going forward. You know, right after that, and all that was that like right after all that foam posit stuff was happening too. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pennies and all the I forgot the name of the other guy that had that though. Nike was doing some really crazy stuff back then. We we had like the real deal and um, Adidas and some other stuff. We did the that whole fly knit thing that people do now. We mm -hmm. did the we had the cable shoe back then. We put we we added cables into leather. The shoe didn't didn't look all that great, but every time I see somebody with one of those fly knit shoes today, I think about what we did with that a long time ago. That was John Stark's shoe. Um, and it was the, technically that thing would just grip on your foot and be, um, really cool to wear. Um, but that was, again, that was during the time when everybody was just trying to make things functional, not necessarily fashion wise. Um, that's one of the things I think is iconic. We also did that, um, we used to take and do like, we had a guy that would do sculptures in the studio and we would put that sculpture on like a lazy susan spin it around and we would draw do drawings based on that and a lot of shoes came out of that kind of concept especially the feet you wear stuff and, um and i actually also did the very first kobe man um that was an interesting story the crazy eight kobe's it's not the crazy eight ones the one he wore the right before the crazy eight the one um i see that one being re-released every now and then with the big eight on the on the on the side of the profile of it, um, I give you a funny story with that. The so Kobe had just announced that he was gone. Man, Kobe's gone. Kobe was, had just announced that he was gonna uh, 
go directly to the NBA, and they had, they were trying to get a shoe, and they did a design for a shoe that he did not like, and so Peter called me up, and they had an existing outsole that we had to use, but they were like, what can you do really quick so that we can uh, kind of save this thing, and so I spent a couple days in the studio in New York, and did that design where... I don't know. It's the stripes are not going back; they're going forwards on a basketball shoe. Kobe, it's in purple and the Lakers colors and everything. And and they literally, Peter came to New York. They sent a car. We we rode uh, from my house in New Jersey down to uh, Kobe's house in, in Maryland with his mom and dad and everybody there. His mom made us eggs, and we put the drawings on the floor. And, and looked at him so that he could he could choose you know the one that we were doing and that's how it, that went down. I thought that was a cool story, man. Um, had breakfast. Kobe's mom made us eggs, and we <laughs> and we showed him that design. It was kind of cool. Did he like it? Like like what oh, was yeah, his yeah. initial reaction to it? Yeah, he liked that one a lot. He liked it a lot. I don't. I can't remember what he didn't like about the initial one, honestly. But man, that's been almost twenty something years ago. Um, but for mm-hmm. some reason he didn't like the shoe so we we put together something really quick and showed him drawings and he loved those drawings and then we went and made the shoe and that's the first one i think he played in um i think so i think it's the first one and but the crazy eight is the one that um everybody you know that's that's the i think paul paul did that shoe paul gaudio did that shoe that's a very iconic adidas shoe by the way um I look back on it now, man, and I, I, I when I was doing it, I, I used to used to want to think I was pretty good at it, but there's some guys that have a whole lot more impact on the sneaker world than me, so um, that did really, really cool stuff. Yeah, I still can't believe that he's gone. Yeah. I, know. I still can't compute it. Crazy to me. It's, it's, it's nuts. I, there's a lot, so many stories that... That uh, like I just told you a story about when he just went to, when he was just announcing that he was gonna go and play in the pros, and now he's gone. That's to me that makes me that definitely ages me, and uh, we lost a great one with him for sure. All right, so we're gonna take it to some fan questions. All right, um, Emma Harrelson from Facebook. She asks, "What are some?" Ch- what were some of the challenges in creating the Air Matumbo? Um, really not that much of a challenge. The biggest challenge was to see, to push the envelope to see how it would be accepted in the middle of a German company in Germany at the time doing this real Afrocentric kind of a thing, a theme for it, you know. Uh, that was probably the biggest challenge. But actually, we had a really cool team. Uh, the guy that was the head of the basketball department, his name is Rick Long. They were all really cool people and understood where the they understood what that type of shoe could have, the impact that it could have. So they were all very supportive of all of that. Um, it just that thing kind of just came together really nicely and smooth, actually. All right, um, Sean Breslin from Twitter. He asks, "What are some factors that go into selecting an athlete to have a signature shoe?" Man, that's that's you need somebody always. <laughs> I, I think a lot of that is just really marketing and knowing um, who, knowing the impact that what that person is and how their personality can tie into a product, and and um, 
I, I would think that that would be the number one thing. At the time, think about it. Mkombo was a guy from Africa. There was a lot of Afrocentric things going on in movies and music and culture. So it was the perfect combination uh, for him to do that. But there's probably a lot more, lot smarter people than me that go into figuring that out now today, actually. Um, I can't even imagine, you know, trying to do that. It's all about Twitter followers and all this kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, um, at Hoop King, at Hoop King from Instagram, he asks, "Do you consider the '90s the greatest era of sneaker culture history?" Wow, um, man, I don't know. I, uh, in one way, yeah, I think the, uh, at the time it was the, like the beginning of everything, you know. So, and I, I think that all of the companies were really competitive about presenting their brand and their stories back then you know like adidas was completely different from nike was completely different from reebok was completely different from converse at the time with different types of players different everything and and there was a lot of um, honestly i think a lot of like industrial design people had just started getting into designing shoes and it really changed the way people looked at it um and, and some of the the most iconic designs that you that exist came from that era so in that way yeah um but but now i i think right now is also a really really cool time because technology kind of drives what's what you're able to do new and and footwear and all of this 3d printing and all this stuff that's happening right now makes this a pretty cool time to be doing some sneakers too honestly like, do you ever think that um that the current sneaker market can like recreate the success that it had back then? Man, I I, I almost think that they that it, it it has taken the success of back then and just just I think it already has. I think it's 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 exploded into its own little cultural thing now. At the time, it was the the sneaker world revolved around the athletes and the shoe brands. Now it's. It, it's it, there's a subculture of um, sneakers that didn't exist back then, um, and I, I, you know, there was no sneaker heads. There was only one guy I even knew that was collecting shoes back then, and designer for Adidas named Charles Johnson. And if Charles still has all those shoes, man, Charles got up sitting on a lot of money with all that stuff because we used to just like I'd play his shoes and throw them away. You know, <laughs> so, um, today, you know, that would sound, that sounds crazy to you, probably, but, um, so yeah, I think that the market has already taken that far, far beyond what it was in the 90s, but the, the, the 90s was the iconic switch, you know, you go from 80s to 90s shoes and you see a complete difference uh, of the way they look and the design that, um, that attention to design that companies put into them. All right, well, we just want to thank you for your time. Um, the imprint you had on this classic shoe and and on other shoes will basically live forever. And the stuff that you created kind of morphed me and others into being sneaker fanatics. Oh, that's cool, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.